Well, good morning, everybody. You can hear me fine, is that right? Yep. Um, how about we pray before we start, before we open God's word. Um, Heavenly Father, we give you thanks uh, for time set apart in the week to hear your word. Uh, we do pray that you uh, help us to open our hearts to hear your word and help us to respond today. Uh, help us to know how we can be changed uh, by the power of your word. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. Well, Corinne and I have talked a lot this morning about what we've been doing and where we've been. We've been in Ecuador for, for 12 years, um, working with church leaders and, and pastors and and uh, one of the big parts of my role in Ecuador was as, as country director for, for SIM, um, bringing people in, in line with a vision and strategy. And, and really, it, it has been a wonderful uh, thing to be a part of, um, to be bringing these people together, to see them working together and actually ultimately seeing my work decrease <laughs> as their work increase. Um, because the more they bought into this new this vision and strategy, the, the less I had to do. Um, and so it was a wonderful thing to be a part of. Um, and now, you know, we're in Australia, we've got a new home. And one of the things that I think that we're really, really thankful for is the fact that we're not here because of broken relationships 10,000 kilometres away. Now, I don't want to paint a a really negative picture of missions. <laughs> um, but I think just, you know, organisations across the world, in, in Australia too, um, have trouble trying to keep employees um, because of broken relationships. I think it's similar in, within a company, but it's also so similar in, in a missional context. You know, um, I was reading some stats and I was saying that 50% of professionals say um, that they have quit their job because of a bad relationship with their boss. <laughs> uh, only with their boss. I mean, the, and there's the potential for all the other employees that you could have a problem with. Now, SIM is an interden- international, interdenominational mission. So, they're really asking for trouble, aren't they? <laughs> because as you put all these different cultures into the one room trying to work together, the, the different languages, the different perspectives on how things should be done, how things should be said. Um, and then on top of that you add um, that they're an interdenominational mission, so that adds in, oh, you've got Baptists and Presbyterians and, and Reformed and Reformed Presbyterians and all these others all mixed together, all trying to work together for the one goal. Well, it's actually quite difficult. And then you mix people doing that into a different culture (laughs) because you've all moved out of your own culture into a third culture. And really, you know, I think there's two things to to think about in in that instance. One, it's a wonderful picture of heaven when it's all working well. Um, But as sinners, there's bound to be problems, isn't there? Many um, problems that we had were due to interpersonal issues uh, where someone took offence at someone because they understood that person to be saying something that maybe that person wasn't even trying to say. Um, And so we had to actually constantly remind ourselves, no, this other person is a child of God just like me. 
I shouldn't take offence at what they're saying. Maybe I'm misunderstanding what they're trying to say to me. And so we had to practice being slow at taking offence. Um, and in the end we had to walk around, with, I would say, we had to walk around with forgiveness on the tip of our tongues, ready to just say, I forgive you, when we feel like we're hurt. So that's why as I look back and think about all the different relationships that we've had um, and how we've been able to lead this team together, that I'm thankful that we're not here because of that something went wrong um, and really thankful to God for that. Um, to know that in all these differences, God has worked in that team, through that team, helping us to love each other, to express forgiveness and in many cases bring restoration to a relationship that may have already been broken. And I think that's where I want to go today in in this passage um, in Mark. When we forgive someone from our heart, I think we begin to experience a very different relationship with the person who wronged us. When we have a relationship that's restored, it's like being in a brand new relationship again, isn't it? And Jesus says in the passage today to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Very powerful words, aren't they? Your sins are forgiven. Bringing restoration, as Nikki really clearly explained to us, bringing restoration between us and God. And we need to understand that really there is, there's a barrier, isn't there, between us and God. And it needs his forgiveness to restore. There is no other way that this relationship can be restored. It needs his forgiveness because without his forgiveness we sit in a broken relationship with God. And that's what our passage is looking at today. Helping us or having a restored or, or a forgiven relationship between us and God. So let's open the Bible and before we start looking at chapter 2 I want to give us a bit of a picture of, um, of why there's so many people outside the door of this house because chapter 1, if you look at chapter 1 of Mark, we see Jesus, he's doing lots of healing, he's doing lots of preaching. Um, it gets to the point um, that in verse 38 of chapter 1 he says, oh, let's go somewhere else so I can, to the nearby villages so that I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he's come to preach but it's been hindered because all these people keep bringing their sick to him. And then we see in chapter 2 that he comes into Capernaum. And just like if you're a football fan, like Ronaldo, you know, going out to a cafe in Lisbon, Portugal, I mean, he's not not going to be able to do it, is he? He's from Portugal, by the way, if you're not a football fan. Um, And so if he walked into a cafe in in Lisbon, everyone's going to want to sit with him and talk to him and get his signature. He's not going to, they're going to crowd around him. And I think that's what's happening here with Jesus. He's, he's entered Capernaum again and the people had heard he'd come home and so they gather in this house. They all want to hear him. Um, and then Jesus is there and there's not much room uh, and then we meet, we're introduced to a couple of guys who bring one of their friends. Look, And in verse 3 we see some men bring into him a paralytic carried by four of them. So, here, here are these four boys. We're introduced to them. They'd heard, obviously, like everyone else, that Jesus could do something for their friend and they're, and they're desperate to get their friend to them. 
But obviously a lot of people had their crowd elbows on and they wouldn't let them pass. And so they've got to find another way to get to Jesus. And so they go up onto the roof and they start digging. Um, and in the middle of Jesus preaching, as Nikki really clearly <laughs> said to us, no, that, that um, yeah, how disruptive would it have been for Jesus to sit there preaching and listening to these guys digging a hole in the roof? Um, just a few weeks ago, as some of you know, I'm, I've been teaching um, scripture at Asheville Public and I had, it was a very difficult day because my helper wasn't there but I was telling them a story and I really had their attention and I thought, this is going really well. <laughs> and in flew the pigeon. <laughs> of all the things to have happened, just before my main point, a pigeon flying into the room was not going to help. In fact, I, no matter how hard I tried to yell at the kids, look to the front, <laughs> look to the front, I'm here. <laughs> no. <laughs> they, had their, they had their head, the backs of their heads were looking straight at me and they were looking at this pigeon trying to get out. So, and I think it's the same here, isn't it, for Jesus. Here he is trying to preach to the people. Once again he's trying to preach to the people. The reason he's there is to preach. That's why he's come. And here we have again, here we have these people digging a hole through the roof and they dig a hole big enough to fit a man through. It's not like a little hole just for the rope. This is a man. They want to lower a man down. And they lower the man down to Jesus. And then when he gets them down to Jesus, then when the man gets lowered down to Jesus, we read in verse 5, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, I'm not sure how you'd respond um, by hearing that. You've made this dedicated effort to get this paralysed man down to someone who can heal your friend. And he says, your sins are forgiven. Can't, you know, wouldn't you say, can't you see that he can't walk? (laughs) can't you tell we've had to lower him through the roof because we couldn't get him to you because he's paralysed they wanted physical healing for their friend didn't they but in the end Jesus shows them the greater restoration that was needed and then the teachers of the law respond well they can't believe what they're hearing can they and they say say to themselves in their hearts that she says in in their hearts there Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And and in one sense they're right, aren't they? (laughs) Who can forgive sins but God alone? No one. They're absolutely right. But they're absolutely wrong about who Jesus is. And that's the problem, isn't it? Jesus knows in their heart, in his heart, what, or in his spirit, what they're thinking in verse 8. And so he asks in verse 9 a very important question. Now, I'm hoping you, you guys at the back can, oh, I'm going to have to tell you, you probably can't read these. No, but that's okay, because on A, this has got A, I've got your sins are forgiven. Then on B, I've got get up, take your mat and walk. Okay? And so 
Jesus asks them a very important question about these two statements. He says, what's easier to say? Your sins are forgiven or get up, take your mat and walk? And we think, well, what's easier? And we heard from the kids this morning that, well, it's probably easier to say your sins are forgiven. And I think we need to think about the word here, to say. What's easier to say? Well, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven because how do we know? How do we know if the sins are really forgiven? And so Jesus says, and then, but if we have to say this, get up, take your mat and walk, well, that, that obviously means that there's some proof that's needed. He actually has to do something to make a, a man paralysed walk again. And so Jesus says, so that you know I can do this one, forgive your sins, I'm going to do this one. I'm going to tell the paralytic to get up, take your mat and walk and that will prove to you that I can do this one. Let's read verses 10 to 12 together. He says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. And really that, as we look at that, I think Jesus has helped you know, this paralysed man walk again. And the crowd are amazed, aren't they? Um, and maybe he was a beggar that everyone knew in the town. And so as this this beggar who used to be sitting on a mat every day in the, in the plaza perhaps as they've seen him get up and walk out they're going wow we've never seen anything like this this is incredible praise the Lord this is amazing and so now we're going to have to pull some ideas together aren't we because this is, here's the end of the story and what we've seen we've seen restoration both physically and spiritually, we've seen physical healing because he's a, he's a paralysed man, um, given the ability to walk again. Yet we've also got this other aspect of forgiveness and so, or of restoration, um, spiritual restoration. And so I want to st- step out of the text a little bit and go, well, what is sin? Because if we're to understand what forgiveness of sin is, then we really do need to understand clearly, well, what is sin? Um, to understand what, um, what the big deal of the story is. Well, we could probably say a few things about what sin is. That it's living in disobedience to God or it's not worshipping God. Um, but I think they're a bit theoretical at times and it's a little bit hard to sort of, okay, well, but what does that mean? Do you know, like what does it mean to not worship God um, in the right way or to not, uh, what, what is the obedience we need to hold to in order to not be sinning? And I think another way to understand sin, which is really helpful for me, um, is to say it's taking the good things that we have in life and making them ultimate things. So what I mean by that is that if we have, say, I, say I'm a, a mad cars person, I love, I love burning rubber, um, I'm not allowed to because Corrine's very environmental. Um, so a four-cylinder is the biggest car I'll ever get and burning rubber is just not part of the um, equation. Um, so 
But if I had a Porsche or a Ferrari, I mean, that would be so wonderful, wouldn't it? I'd be able to tear up and down the road here. I mean, that for me would be a wonderful thing, apart from all the fines I'd probably get, that would be a wonderful thing for me to enjoy. But if I actually made that the ultimate thing in my life and more important than God, then I've got God in the wrong place. I need to put God back in that place, in the ultimate place, and keep these good things in their right place. And so we can do this with many things, can't we? We can do it with, with football, we can do it with the, you know, maybe you've got a games console that just needs your attention all day, every day of the week. Uh, maybe, maybe sewing, maybe your job or your money. These are all good things and, and we can use them for good purposes. But once we make them the ultimate thing, that the only thing we're living for, then I think we're, we've got them in the wrong place. Maybe shopping, your mobile phone, movies, sex, marriage, anything good. Anything that is good that we make ultimate. And the Bible calls this idolatry, and which, is, which is sin. And what this does is it messes up the relationships that we have around us. Um, first with God, for us and God, and then secondly, us and others. That's a consequence of sin. And so, as we go back to restoration then, the forgiveness of sin, we have to recognise the wrong that we've done and we need to seek God's forgiveness for that. And Jesus says, yes, <laughs> your sins are forgiven. When we repent, he says, yes. And it's at this point that we, when we look at this, we go, your sins are forgiven. We need to realise that actually this would have been the harder thing to say, wouldn't it? Because although Jesus had to prove this one, get up, take your mat and walk, when Jesus said to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, it meant that he would start his walk to the cross. That he would say, your sins are forgiven because I'm going to go and die for you. That's the way that he forgave this man's sins, by dying on the cross for his sin. And so when we look to Jesus for forgiveness, Jesus says, your sins are forgiven because I died for you. That's amazing, isn't it? And he says, son, your sins are forgiven. What a great message. And we know that he can forgive our sins because he proved it. He is God. And he died on the cross for you. And I mean, this is a God who loves us, who wants to relate to you, who, who cares for you and who ultimately died for you. And it's only at the cross that we, we see that our sins are forgiven and it's only at the cross that we find real restoration. And God's desire is for us to put him in the ultimate place in our lives. And he died so that we can do that. Because he wants a restored relationship with you, with me, with all of us. And then I think when we have a restored relationship with God, then the restored relationship between us can happen as well. It gives us an opportunity to reflect the same forgiveness that we've received to those around us. That same forgiveness unconditional forgiveness 
we can express that to one another because God has expressed that to us. He's given us that. So now I want to finish off with some, some application according to the different groups in the, in the passage here. So there's three groups that are mentioned. We have the crowd, we've got the teachers of the law and we've got the, the boys and a bed. So when we see the, the crowd respond, their reaction to Jesus' healing is that they're marvelled and they praise God, isn't it? But I wonder if it actually changed anything for them. Did they look at this and go, wow, that, that was pretty incredible, wasn't it? That's amazing. Huh, I want to see his next trick. <laughs> is that what they're thinking? Or did they marvel at the fact that he, he forgave this man his sins? It doesn't say. It, doesn't say. No, it makes me think, doesn't it? Are we just marvelling at who the person of Jesus is or are we responding to the forgiveness that he's given us? The teachers of the law, well, they, there's no response from them but we sort of know what, what they're like, don't we? If you've, if you've read the, any of the New Testament before, you've come across this group, a very sceptical group. Um, and, and really they're more interested in their rules and regulations than, than having God in the ultimate place, isn't it? It's like, it's like they actually have rules and regulations up here and then God is one of the good things that they can enjoy. Um, but it's really the rules and regulations that, they, that they're interested in. And I think that's a danger for us in the church, isn't it? We can get so wrapped up in the rules and regulations of, of how we're to do different things that we forget that we've been forgiven by a God and that he died for us on the cross. So I think, you know, um, I remember or one, the video that we showed on the day that Diego was here. I mentioned in that, um, that the day that Diego was doing his presentation. Uh, in that video I say that uh, I took someone to church with me and another congregation member asked me or said to me, oh, it's really great that you um, have brought a non-Christian friend with you to church. That, that guy was actually Diego, the guy who I brought to church with me. Um, but the assumption was that because he had long hair, that he wasn't a Christian. There, there was no question as to whether he was a Christian. There was an assumption that he was not. And I think we, you know, where is it that we're assuming things about people? Why is it that we, that we don't look to people who have long hair or don't fit the mould why aren't we looking at them as a person made in the image of God? We are all people made in the image of God and, and they can all receive the same forgiveness from our great God. There is no difference. And so we too need to remind ourselves as we talk to people who, who may not be loved as much as others that this person is a person made in the image of God and that we should love them as God loves them. With all their faults, just like us, might not look like we have faults sometimes, but we do, and we need to come and do the same. So, who's in the ultimate place in their lives? God or the rules and regulations? Now, what about the boys and their bed? Well, these are, this is great, isn't it? Because they, they trusted that Jesus could do something for their friend. 
I don't think they got the first reaction. I don't think they reacted, maybe they didn't react right at the very beginning by going, huh? No, we, he wants to, we want him to walk. They didn't respond like that, but I can imagine that that would have been going through their head. But they trusted Jesus could do something and so when they lowered their friend down to, to Jesus, um, Jesus looked up to them and saw their faith and said, Son, your sins are forgiven. Do, do we have that same faith? Do we go to him knowing he can help us? Maybe, maybe you've asked Jesus to forgive you something, but you're not really sure if that's forgiven. Maybe, hmm. And I want to say that actually we can be confident coming to God that if we have repented that we have received forgiveness for that. I think sometimes we, we doubt maybe that thing that I did years ago still isn't forgiven. But Jesus says, no, your sins are forgiven. Be rest assured that they are forgiven in him. Now it's interesting when, when we look at that um, at verse 5 and when Jesus saw their faith, I imagine that he's looking through the hole in the roof at the four boys with their, their heads looking down through the hole and he saw their faith and looked at the, to the paralysed man and said, son, your sins are forgiven. Um, but when we think about that, really, does anyone receive forgiveness for the faith of someone else? And we'd probably have to say, well, no. This man wasn't forgiven based on their faith. What the Bible talks about in numerous places is that we're forgiven because we've repented and we see repentance and forgiveness go hand in hand. So when we look at this passage, where is the repentance of the paralytic? And, and the only conclusion I've come to is that, well, when Jesus is look, the, the, the Pharisees or the teachers of the law were thinking in their hearts these things and Jesus saw on their hearts what they were thinking that Jesus must have looked at this paralysed man and saw his heart and said, your sins are forgiven. He's repenting. He must be repenting. So I want to say, let Jesus look on your heart. Let him see the repentance that you have on your heart. Maybe you don't have the right words for the occasion. Maybe you're struggling to know if you're forgiven or not, then pray, bring it to him and know that he can see your heart and is willing to forgive. He took the harder path for you. He died for you so that you can be forgiven. So know and trust that he will forgive you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for your willingness to die for us. We pray, Lord, for, for those things that maybe we've asked forgiveness for, that we're not sure if they're forgiven, that you give us the confidence to come before you and know that you give us forgiveness. Thank you that you have made the way open for us to be right with you. We pray, Lord, that as we 
reflect on what you've done for us, that that will now affect the way we love and treat those around us. Um, Affect it in ways that affect this whole community, Lord. Um, May it affect the people we love most who don't know you and may it affect um, this whole community, Lord, so that they may come uh, into a saving knowledge of your son, Jesus Christ. And we do pray this in your son's name. Amen. Let us continue in prayer. O our God, thou carest 